This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. Let's look at Psalm 133. I read it to open the service, but we want to consider it together. Powerful, very well-known, short psalm that says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. Aaron, of course, was a priest. Um, God's one of God's chosen. Well, he's actually the head of the Levitical priesthood. <coughs> the first of those people running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... I think there's one more. All right, we'll get back to it in a minute. So unity, and it's described in here as being like ointment or oil that's one comparison and the other comparison is like dew and it just occurred to me i think we've got two different portions of scripture uh, put together there so and we'll get to we'll get to the other one in a little bit so unity we got to figure out because i think that sometimes what we think we need to do how we think we need to get there. What the formula is, is to make a decision that I'm going to be unified. I'm going to love people. I'm going to respect people's opinions. I'm going to cooperate. I'm going to have a spirit of cooperation. And I'm just going to get along with people. I'm just going to make a decision to do that. Well, that's noble, But the problem with making a decision to do that is that you're going to run into a significant number of people that you don't like. (laughs) Somebody said amen. You're going to run into people that you have a personality clash with. And people that it's just really hard for you to just by your own power and your own will naturally to decide I'm going to be unified with this person and so the flesh gets involved with it if we try to work it out by the flesh by just deciding this is what I'm going to do Um, so what's the conclusion the conclusion it is is that it's not it doesn't work that way it's not a man work this business of unity The reason the world's in chaos and nations are at war and people kill each other is because uh, the spirit of unity and harmony is not 
man work. We can't do it. From the time that Cain turned on his brother Abel because they could not get unified in their approach to worshiping God and jealousy sets in and conflict shows up, since that time, we've been waging war with each other. We've been standing in opposition to each other. We have been in conflict, uh, this people group with that people group and this individual with that individual. Unity is not about making a choice. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to achieve by just making a choice. You can get unified, but it's going to be temporary and it's going to be flawed if it was just your choice. It doesn't work like that. So how do we attain it if it's not attained simply by our choice? Well, there's something very important in this symbolism that we see in the 133rd Psalm, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. <clears throat> Mount Hermon, listen, is the highest peak, the highest point in the land of Palestine. And the cap of Mount Hermon is usually covered with snow. So it's one of those places where even deep into early summer and then Early in the fall, it will be covered with snow. But it's always trickling down. It's always melting a little and trickling down. But it starts at the top. It starts at the cap. It starts at the head of the mountain. Now, I've heard this, and some of you probably thought, because you probably heard messages preached on this too, about how being at the bottom, being in a lower position, not having to be high up and lofty and whatever, is better because as the dew and the melted snow comes down off the mountain, by the time it gets to the bottom, it has formed streams and small rivers that dump into the sea at the rate of some, I think it's like 600 gallons a minute or something like that. But I'm coming at you from a different approach this morning. I'm not focusing about what's going on at the bottom and about how this current has increased as it comes down. I want to focus on the top. I want to focus on the head as it relates to the subject of unity. Because we're told that this beauty, this beautiful thing of brethren dwelling together in unity is like the dew on Mount Hermon and as if it were falling onto Mount Zion, Mount Zion representing the city of God which, inhabit, which is inhabited by who? The people of God. So this unity relates to the people of God dwelling in the city of God or in the heart of God. And the unity is like the dew and where does the dew come from? The dew comes from the top, from the cap, from the head. So what's the point of the symbolism for us? The point is, is that this unity that we're after, and man, is the church ever on the wrong track seeking for unity. We're just on the wrong track. This is the reason for me talking to you about this today is because 
we're so blatantly and obviously on the wrong track in our quest for unity. Because what do we do as churches? We divide ourselves. We build walls. We create dividers because we want to focus on theology, theological principles, and which one's right and which one's wrong. I had somebody stop in here this morning and said, hey, Jeff, I want to talk to you for a minute. I'm too busy today. I don't have time to, st to stay and listen to you teach, but I have a question. And the question is, um, what does salvation mean to you? Because I hear a lot of people talking about once saved, always saved, and eternal security but I don't think you believe that, so what does salvation mean to you? <clears throat> and man, it's just like, leaving that question out of it, I mean, I talked to him, I was nice, I wanted to say, well, if you get your narrow behind in here every week, and sit on a chair and listen and submit yourself to discipleship and let the Holy Spirit do a work in you, you wouldn't be in here asking basic questions about the faith of me on a Sunday morning when we're getting ready to worship and have church. Because what should we be doing? Sitting around having arguments about whether eternal security is right or about whether you can backslide or not? I don't have time to talk about that. I don't want to have theological arguments and debates. It's a waste of time. How, much, how many man hours have been wasted in history by church people sitting around talking about garbage like that instead of getting up and doing the work and being obedient and extending the benevolent heart of the Father into a poor and dying and lost world? I thought I'd get at least one amen out of that or somebody would get up and dance a jig. How are we going to get to the unity? How are we going to break down the walls? How are we going to get past worrying about whether this theology or this principle, this idea, this theory is right or whether that one's right? The way we do it is we climb the mountain and get very close to the head of the mountain, to the cap of the mountain, the capstone of the mountain, the rock. We need to get very close to Him. We may need to commit ourselves in discipleship to climbing one or two steps every day and moving in our own spiritual lives and relationship a little closer and a little closer and a little closer to the person who occupies the top spot. And we get in that relationship with Him and we refuse to allow anything or anybody to interfere, impede, stand in the way of that relationship. And we are bent and determined that we are going to get there and that's where we're going to live, right up there at the top. And you know what happens? You know what happens. If you and me and you and you and you and you and people sitting on other chairs and on pews in other churches in this town and in this county and in this state and in this nation and around the world will commit themselves to just pushing hard up the mountain to get to the cap, He's going to create 
a tremendous spirit of unity among his people. That's where unity comes from. That's why Paul in Philippians says, the unity of the Spirit. Not the unity of men and women trying to just get along together down here. Be friendly church members together. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm talking about because I have lived on both sides of this fence. You are sitting in a sanctuary that used to be inhabited by a group of people that became known in this town for being bitter and resentful and and having all sorts of fights and church splits with each other. Let's just get real. And, And I'm not just shining on this church. That church is all over the place. Any of y'all never heard of a church split? Of course you've heard of it. How much do you think a church split uh, finds its place in the heart of God? What do you think God thinks about church splits? Churches split because people are not unified. Because people are focused on themselves. Their own ideas, what they want, their priorities, what they think is right and wrong. And they fight and they bicker and then they end up splitting. And every time I hear the word or say the term church split, I have this image that comes in my mind of the body, the literal physical body of Jesus Christ because we are the representation of that body on the earth now. And, and, and of it just all of a sudden being rendered in two, just split and the flesh coming apart and the skin breaking open and blood coming out. That's what a church split looks like. Tearing up the body of Christ. Where do we find our unity? Where do we find our unity? I've lived on that side of the fence. In churches my dad pastored, where you had this segment sat on that side and this segment sat on that side. And when you sang a certain style of music, this side would stand up and sing. This side sat down and didn't open their mouths. And then you changed and did another style of music. This side would stand up and that side would sit down. I'm not kidding you. And in church business meetings, which by the way are of the devil, um, screaming matches back and forth across the sanctuary. Accusations, name calling. And what on earth does that have to do with the body of Christ and what we're here for on this planet at this time in history? But now I found my freedom. I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm with you. And I hope you're with me. And I hope we're together. And I hope our mission, in terms of our relationship with God and each other, is to climb the mountain. Climb the mountain. Get up there near the head. Get up there in the presence of the living Christ. Hang out there. Listen, if I, if I get up in the mornings and I come out of my room and I'm kind of describing what I do and I go to the coffee pot to clear the head up a little bit, get that, 
and I go to my recliner with the coffee and the word and an attitude and a spirit of surrender and prayer. And I sit with the Lord. And I sit down and I'm like, Father, I'm with you now. I'm sitting with you. I want to talk to you and I want to hear from you. I want to meditate and I want to worship. And sometimes I'll just sit and nobody in there, you know, but me. And just reach my hand up like this and just hold it up there for a while. Because I'm just reaching for whatever it is he has to give. And just close my eyes and think and meditate and listen for his voice if there's something he wants to say to me. And dig into his word and do it slowly, methodically, so that I don't run over top of something and, and not realize it's there. If I do that every day of the week, and then I walk out of that room and I'm going to work, or I'm going wherever and I'm doing whatever, but I maintain that attitude that prayerfulness, that devotion, then what do you think my relationship with you is going to be like? <laughs> do you think we're going to have a decent relationship? Well, if we don't, it ain't going to be my fault. Okay? If, if, if we have issues, it's going to be your fault. Because if you're doing the same thing that I just described, you and I are going to have a beautiful, unified, harmonious relationship. And we're going to accomplish a lot together, together, together. Because He, by His Spirit, is going to pull us together. And we're going to be locked together. That's how we get into the spirit of unity. It's unity of the spirit, not unity of the body. So let's put up the scripture from, <clears throat> what was the next one? I think I had three of them. I didn't write them down. Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, how are we going to get the mindset of Christ Jesus? We get up there to where the mind of Christ Jesus is. We continue to climb we get our minds so near to His mind that His mind starts to transform our minds. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus occupies the highest place. But it is a place that we should attain to. It is a place that we should strive for. Jesus said, you be perfect like I'm perfect. And that could be frustrating if you don't see it the right way, if you have the wrong perspective. Because reality is, is as long as I'm living here on this, in this messed up world, in this physical body, I can't be perfect. But why did he say perfect? Because we should strive after perfection as if we really believe it's attainable. And what does that goal looks, look like? It looks like seeing him in the highest place and making a decision day by day that we're going to climb another step or two to get to where he is. That is striving for perfection. So it's unity of the Spirit, Paul says, not unity of the body. All our efforts to unify the body are misdirected. We must be unified in the Spirit, and He then will bring us into unity one with another. Ephesians 4.3 says that we should endeavor to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. <coughs> unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the word endeavor indicates that it's going to require some sacrifice from us. It's going to require some effort from us. It's not something we just pray for and He just dumps it on us. No, we have to climb. We have to commit. We have to work. We have to do. We're not earning our salvation. Our salvation is a free gift. But we are earning a spot that is very near to the one who is at the top. And when we live our lives very near to Him, He will work out all these other things in us. And the result is a bond of peace. And finally, what are the results? Well, we're after results, right? But they have to be God results. They can't be our results. They're not results we just list on a piece of paper and all of a sudden we go to work. You know, Sully and Lydia are coming over later for Super Bowl. And I asked them a while ago, I said, what do y'all want to eat? What kind of food do you want? And uh, Sully's like, well, I want wings and fries and whatever. And Lydia's like, I have goals. I said, okay, what, 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 what does that mean? Don't fix me anything. I have goals. I'll eat something before I'll bring something with me. Right? That's not how unity works. That's good if you're wanting to get your weight down and, uh, and maintain healthier, you know. I mean, y'all consult with Everly if you need to, uh, to know something about health. But, um, yeah, it's good for that. But the way to get into unity with each other and into a bond of peace that is a three-way thing with God our Father and with other people 
The way to do that does not involve making a list of goals and then doing the right things to achieve those goals. No, what it involves is moving ever closer day by day to the one who is at the head. And then he will produce God results. And God results are what we need because they're from God and they are eternal. So I'll finish up with a very, very important example of what happens when you are unified by the Spirit after Jesus' death and resurrection. The people who had followed Him, who loved Him, who embraced His message, had a choice for obedience or disobedience. And He told them, He said, I want you to go to this room in the city, and it's an upper room. I want you to go up. I saw the symbolism in that when I was thinking about this. I want you to go up. And see, some of them had witnessed Jesus' ascension up to the Father to assume the highest place. And now He tells them, I want you to go up into this upstairs room. And I want you to be there together. And if we could put that Scripture up, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, and these are the ones who chose obedience to His instruction. That's where it starts. They, the ones who chose obedience, were all what? Together. And that doesn't mean that they were all just in the same room, sitting around a table. This means, as the King James says, they were in one accord. That means they were there for a similar purpose. They were like-minded. They were unified in their spirits. They had chosen obedience. And they had gone to a higher place. And they were together. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. you got three things that happen. Fire, wind, and power. If you are, if you are a serious believer and, and have been for a while, you have probably longed for a revelation of the power of God. You've probably prayed and asked for it. A move of God, we call it, where we actually see literal results, healing, deliverance, miraculous things happen. I've seen a few in my life, not as many as I would like to have seen, but I've seen a few and I would like to see more. I would like to see more of a demonstration of the power of God. Fire. What does fire represent? Fire represents a cleansing, a purification, a renewal. And wind is the creative element 
the wind of the Spirit that moves, that creates, that hovers over the creative work of the hand of God. Isn't that where we would love to be? Wouldn't we love to live in a place that is characterized by the wind and the fire and the power of God Almighty? Let me, let me tell you something today. That's God's heart for His church. That's what God wants to do in His church and through His church in the earth. These kinds of things didn't finish up at the end of some, quote, dispensation. It's still in the heart of God to do what God has always done. And that is to create and to do the miraculous and to move and purify and shake the lives of human beings. To do the miraculous, to produce results that only God can produce. What does it take for us to get there? I'm one man talking to one small group of people. I can't control the big picture, but I'm telling you, what it takes for us to get there is for us to be together. Together. It means that 100% of us need to be doing what I described a few minutes ago. Now, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, that's up to you. But I have to do it in the morning because I've got a day ahead of me. But there are just too many of us that just don't, we just don't make the commitment and exercise the discipline to sit with the Lord. We love to talk about it. We sit around and shake our heads when somebody else is talking about it. But there are just too many of us that just don't do it. We just don't do it. We don't, you know, we don't. Uh, Rita Ramsey, my brother's mother-in-law, passed away this this week, and one of the things that <clears throat> her grandchildren and her kids have talked about, and they've posted some pictures to, is that every night before bedtime, she and Charlie, her husband, would sit down, get out the Word, and she would read a devotional out loud to him for the benefit of both of them. So they would sit, read the Word, and pray before they went to bed. That's beautiful. I can remember my grandparents sitting at the table. <clears throat> They'd sit down at the kitchen table every day, open up the Word of God, and she'd reach over and take his hand, and they would read the Word and pray every day. And there are just too many of us who just don't. We like the idea. We believe it's true. We believe it would be good, but we just don't do it. Well, it's time to change that. It's time to change that because there is no priority in your life that can be more important than that. An extra 30 minutes of sleep? Give me a break. <laughs> you can't be serious. I can't, I can't wake up that early. Uh, don't make me use language in church. Give me a break. My life's too busy or no, just stop with all the excuses. If there's anybody, and there may not be anybody in this room that this applies to. But although we can't control the church at large and the big picture, 
we got to dig into that here. All of us. All of us. And our corporate word for the year is together. We have to together, all of us, commit to climb the mountain. To get to the head. To be so near to the mind of Christ that His mind actually starts to become our mind. And vice versa. They were so near to His heart that His heart actually starts to push our heart out of the way and take the spot that used to be our heart. So that we start to think like Him. We start to move and behave like Him. And He will do the creating of unity and freedom and peace because those are works of God that we cannot accomplish outside of that relationship with Him. And climbing a mountain by yourself can be fun, but it's not nearly as fun as climbing a mountain with other people. And the benefit in climbing with other people is that you've got support and encouragement and you get to laugh together when the funny things happen. You get to cry together when the sad things happen. And when somebody slips and falls, you get to be there to pick them up, dust them off, doctor them, pray for them. It's a whole lot better to climb a mountain with some friends than it is to climb a mountain by yourself. Climbing a mountain by yourself is risky. Climbing a mountain by yourself is lonely. We've got to climb the mountain together and we get up there to the top together and we realize this is where it all comes from. The unity, the bond of peace, the moving of the wind, the fire, the power of God. I'm on a mission for it. How about you? I'm on a mission for it. We've got important things to do here. Sometimes it seems like it's moving very slowly. But I have a sense that God will not speed us up toward things that He knows we're not ready for. The way to get ready is not to do a whole lot of uh, planning, strategizing, making notes, and sticking sticky notes on the wall. The way to get ready is to keep climbing the mountain day by day, and it takes all of us, young, old, uh, the one with the most money, the one with the least, it doesn't matter. It takes all of us. Father, we thank you that we don't have to depend on ourselves. We thank you that we have you. Your spirit is constant with us. And we thank you that we know where the head is and we're on a mission to get there. We're going to keep climbing that mountain towards the head. And we know that everything you have for us along the way, you will establish it firmly in our lives. So I pray over your people that they'll be challenged They'll be motivated to get up and climb every day. Just climb. Spend that necessary time with you. That's part of climbing. That's a step in the climbing process. And then be prayerful and meditative all day long. And those are steps in the climbing process. And as we get nearer and nearer to the mind and the heart of Christ, we're going to realize that our own minds and our own hearts have changed and that we're in a process of transformation. And we're going to look around us. We're going to have brothers and sisters that are on that same journey. And we're going to see you do God work and produce God results. Fire, power, 
and wind. <laughs> and I thank you. I thank you. I'm very charged and energized to know and to have been reminded of how to get to where I want to be. And I bless your people with that same attitude and spirit. We love you. We pray you would bless um, the giving today, that you would bless our, um, as we move into this year more and more, that you would bless the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, and that you would bless the steps of our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here, for listening, participating. And your giving can happen at the back door. We appreciate that always. Pray you have a great week.